0: A whiff of accountability for the Secretary of Defense and General Milley and all those who screwed up so badly, Afghanistan. Senate Armed Services Committee had a hearing, a real hearing, and real questions were at least asked. They weren't very well answered, but I'm glad today happened. I was actually proud of some of these senators, both Republicans and Democrats, because there must be accountability for this Seems like ancient history, so many in the media want to move on. There must be accountability for this and for this. (laughs) It could have been avoided, accountability and for this. And most of all, accountability for this. Our 13 heroes who were killed needlessly by a suicide bomber. Everybody seems to have forgotten in the left-leaning universe. They've just moved on. They don't want to talk about this. But today, they did. And it was great. Now, to put this all in perspective, we have to review two lies, and hardly anybody can really dispute this anymore. I don't think anybody does. Two lies that Joe Biden told um, last month on a nationally televised interview to the fake news.
1: And Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was
2: split. That, that, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame all troops. They didn't argue against that.
1: So no, no one told your military advisors to not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that.
2: No, no one said that to me that I can recall.
0: He's lying. He's lying, and you're going to see that in vivid form in a moment. Also this, unquestionably, a lie.
2: Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will if, stay. if we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if there are American forces, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay and we we'll get them all out.
0: All right. That didn't happen. And one thing we learned from today, kind of confirmed because we already knew, just about all the military advisors were saying you've got to leave at least 25 troops, 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. Um, again, the senators were terrific. Let's start with Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas. And oh, by the way, a former infantry officer who served in Iraq. Uh, President Biden last month
3: in an interview with George Stephanopoulos said that no military leader advised
4: him to leave a small troop presence in Afghanistan. Is that true? Uh, Senator Cotton, I, uh, I believe that... Uh, well, first of all, I know the president to be an honest and forthright man, uh, and just, secondly- just, It's a simple question, Secretary
3: Austin. He said no senior military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence behind. Is that true or not? Did these officer and General Miller's recommendations get to the president personally?
4: Their input was, uh, was received by the president and considered by the president, uh, for sure. Uh, in terms of what they specifically recommended, Senator, they just, as they just said, uh, it, they're not going to provide uh, what they recommended in confidence. Okay. Throughout the morning,
0: they did. We all found out. 2,500 is what was recommended. They were anything but forthright. Did you hear the hesitation? What's so hard about that question? This was, we saw this all the time hesitance and obfuscation from these witnesses. I was also impressed by uh, a Senator Sullivan, Republican from Arkansas, who I hadn't been too familiar with, but uh, he was brilliant. You do not have a duty constitutional or otherwise to
5: cover for the commander in chief when he is not telling the truth to the American people. With that, I have a few questions that I'd like you to keep short, concise answers to. On August 18th, In a media interview to the American people, the president said that none of his military advisors told him that he should keep U.S. forces in Afghanistan. General Milley, that was a false statement by the president of the United States, was it not? I didn't even see the statement to tell you the truth. I'm reading you a truthful statement. Um, That was was a false statement. Yeah, I'm not. Look at Look, I, I don't have a lot of time. Okay, was that okay. a false statement to the, the American I'm people I'm not going to categorize the statement of the president of the United States. General McKenzie, was that a false statement? The, pre- the president said none of his commanders said that he should keep troops in Afghanistan. Was that a false statement by the president of the United States? I, Remember, you do not have a duty to cover for the president when he's not telling the truth. Was that a false statement I've or given, not?
6: I've given you my opinion on the matter. I've given you my judgment on it. I'll, I think I'll,
5: we all know it was a false statement. Okay, that's number one president also said if there's an American citizen left behind in Afghanistan, the military is, not, is going to stay until we get them out. General Milley, was that statement, did that statement turn out to be true or untrue by the president?
1: I think that was the intent, but we gave him a recommendation on the 25th of August to terminate the mission on the 31st of statement August. The
5: statement was untrue. Let me make another, um, let me ask another question. General Milley, General McKinsey, the president around the same time said, quote, al-Qaeda was gone from Afghanistan, told the American people that. Was that true or not true? Was al-Qaeda gone from Afghanistan in mid-August? True or not true?
1: Al-Qaeda is still in Afghanistan. They were there in mid-August. Uh, they have been severely uh, disrupted and attrited over many, many years. They are not So yet- it wasn't
5: true. General McKinsey, was that true or now not? Al-Qaeda true? was present in Afghanistan. Okay, so it wasn't true. The problem here, these are not marginal misstatements by the president to the American people. These are dramatic, obvious falsehoods that go to the very heart of the foreign policy fiasco we have all witnessed. These are life and death deceptions that the president of the United States told the American people. I have one final question. I might leave it because it's a long one for the follow-up, but here's, here's the anger. I've never seen my constituents more angry about an issue than this. And it's the combination of everybody knowing that this is a debacle, and yet people defending it as a, quote, extraordinary success. And here's the biggest. No accountability. No accountability.
0: Senator Sullivan, Republican of Alaska, by the way, not Arkansas. Um, You know what disturbs me? Almost as much as the debacle in Afghanistan, the... Apparent dishonesty of our generals, the political games they play. That's something that has to be addressed. All right, next. This is a Democrat, uh, Senator Peters from Michigan, and he raised an excellent point that uh, you'll see in a moment. We've all heard over the years, all the generals say that everything is about to turn around. We're right up at the time that this battle, this war is going to just turn the corner.
1: When I've, we've ever asked uh, our military leaders uh, the situation in Afghanistan, we often heard, well, it's a stalemate right now, but this year coming
3: up is going to be different. This year will be different. I heard that year
1: after year. This year is going to be different. Yeah, I know we were in a stalemate, but this year is going to be different.
0: Yep, this is true. This is totally true. Take a look over the years. For 20 years, We've been told that and we've been lied to. Everything was going great or we're just about to win this thing, right?
1: Yesterday, U.S. forces struck in more than a dozen target areas that included terrorist camps and forces, Taliban military facilities, including missile vehicle
5: and armor maintenance. I think uh,
0: that the development of the Afghan army is on a very good path right now. We've made tremendous strides incredible progress in the last 20 months. The solid partnership has been the
1: thing that has been really striking for me all around the country.
4: It's fair to ask if we're winning in Afghanistan. I believe the answer is yes, and several facts allow me to say that with confidence. And we've seen some great, great uh, progress in some of the operations based even at the tactical level on the intelligence uh, structure.
6: They showed me the positive changes they have helped bring about, the villages they can now enter. The the Afghan police and forces, they are training and trying to improve.
0: You know, it's one thing to uh, support your political masters, if you will, your civilian oversight. That's great. But to spin for them and to sometimes lie for them. We have a huge problem. This is systemic. This has to be fixed. All right. Moving on back to the hearing today. Uh, Senator Rick Scott. Great job. When in the history of this country have we
2: ever had the U.S. military say and, and have a plan that we will take our military out first before we take our civilians? I can't imagine that.
4: When, when, you, when you say civilians, are you, are you, are you talking American about citizens. The American citizens? Yeah. Well, the American citizens uh, would come out once uh, a non-combatant evacuation is declared. And until that point, uh, it, typically we don't evacuate all the citizens in the country. But we didn't hear. There's American citizens still there. And we continue to remain engaged and, and, uh, and, and work to, uh, to get those citizens out. All right. What really came through today, Austin
0: is just not ready for a role this big. He is in way over his head. That goes to, uh, for Millie as well. We'll get to him in a moment. Uh, I want to move on to Senator Josh Hawley, another superstar, Republican of Missouri. I know this is an
3: administration talking point. I've heard it out of the, the mouth of the press secretary and others. We are not leaving Americans behind. That was your quote of just a minute ago. With all due respect, sir, you have left, past tense, Americans behind. We have no presence any longer in Afghanistan. There are hundreds of Americans, and not just Americans generally, civilians, you left behind against the president's explicit commitment not to leave until all American citizens were out and to safety. That is not what happened. And now we have people who are desperately, frantically trying to get out of this country, coming to me, coming to members of this committee, asking for help. They can't get that help. They're stuck behind enemy lines. So please don't tell me that we're not leaving Americans behind. You left them behind. Joe Biden left them behind. And frankly, it was
4: a disgrace. Well, Let me ask you this, though. Senator, thanks for your help in, in continuing to help get uh, American citizens and Afghans who have helped us out of the country. But as you've seen, we've continued to facilitate. Well, actually, graduation. I didn't ask you a question, but since you seem to want to address
3: the issue. So, so since you do, isn't it true that you left Americans behind
4: on August the 31st? Uh, there are Americans. There were Americans that were still in, uh, in Afghanistan and still yes. are. We continue Correct. to work to try to get those Americans out.
3: Yeah, that, that's a yes. Let's, let's not repeat, please, the, the frankly falsehood that we didn't leave Americans behind.
0: Falsehood, spin, these generals, the Secretary of Defense, the whole swamp doing so much of it, and the left-leaning fake news covering for them every step of the way. All right. Somebody had to say it. Some people asked if they were going to resign. Senator Hawley demanded they resign. It seems
3: to me that you put a high priority on making sure that you were favorably portrayed by the D.C. press corps. You spent a lot of time doing that. Fair enough if that's your priority. But at the same time, we had a rapidly deteriorating, frankly, disastrous situation in Afghanistan, which resulted in the death of 13 soldiers, including one from my home state, hundreds of civilians and hundreds of Americans left behind. And in my view... That mission can't be called a success in any way, shape, or form, logistical or otherwise. General, I think you should resign. Secretary Austin, I think you should resign. I think this mission was a catastrophe. I think there's no other way to say it, and there has to be accountability. I respectfully submit it should begin with you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Blunt, candid talk. That, <laughs> you've seen it maybe on a few talk shows here and there, uh, but that's it. Now we have American leaders calling for this, what should obviously happen, calling it for the catastrophe that it was and calling for accountability. Also today, uh, Marsha Blackburn, Republican of uh, Tennessee, some real passion here. She was terrific.
7: Did the president ever require or request written recommendations related to the withdrawal of the Afghan forces? Yes or no. Secretary Austin, then General Milley, then General McKenzie. Yes or no.
4: We provided, uh, I provided our, our input as a part of a, okay. a, a, a policy process that, uh, that was okay. uh, very well and, okay. and deliberately okay. run. We will
7: note that you didn't completely answer that. General Milley, any written form? Yes. Would you make those available to us?
1: Make it available to the committee upon request in accordance with appropriate classifications.
0: All right, there. Senator Blackburn was being methodical, and the passion comes in a little bit. I'm going to show you. But look at this answer. Yes, upon declassification and through the appropriate channels. This is a bureaucrat, not a general, and he's playing the game. They will not answer straightforward questions. Now, everybody knows now that 2,500 troops is what they requested to remain in Afghanistan. He said as much earlier. The direct question, though, just to recap, just to uh, make sure he understands, Senator Inhofe, listen to the way he responds. Senator Inhofe asking about the 2,500 troops in Afghanistan to remain uh, past uh, August 31st, the recommendation. General Milley, I assume you agree with that in terms of the recommendation of 2,500?
1: What I said on my opening statement and the memoranda that I wrote back in the fall of 2020 remained consistent. And I do agree with that.
0: Remain consistent. And I do agree with that. What I said, like this is, this is spin. These are bureaucratic games. They are desperately trying to protect their careers. They want to give the administration cover, but they have to kind of protect themselves. They've got a lot of different things going on and it's not about the troops and it's not about us. Hmm? All right. Yeah, the passing of the buck was pretty wild. Uh, Take a look at this. A direct question about uh, how many Americans are still in Afghanistan. I'd like to know, wouldn't you? How many American citizens, uh, is it your opinion, are still there? Uh, Just just go down the line, each one of you.
4: Anyone? Senator, I would uh, defer to the State Department for that that, uh, assessment. That's Uh, that's a dynamic process. Okay, fine. We'll
0: give that to the State Department. Except they do that all the time. And so does the State Department. Watch this. This is, uh, Senator Wicker. When the State Department is here and we ask them a question, they say, well, you have to ask the Defense
5: Department that. And now, uh, today, again, Defense Department people are before us And a question was asked, and and the answer to Senator Inhofe was,
0: well, you have to ask the State Department that. A typical swamp Washington game. That way, that way, that way, that way. Generals shouldn't be playing it. I really feel that way. Generals are, they're consumed with way too many extraneous things, like books, like getting their names in books. Now, we all know that Milley has been talking to every reporter in town, telling him everything he thinks about President Trump, all the bad stuff. Today, he was called out on it. Back to Senator Blackburn.
7: General Milley, um, yes or no to this. Did you talk to Bob Woodward or Robert Costa for their book, Peril?
1: Woodward, yes. Costa, no.
7: Did you talk to Carol Leonick and Philip Rucker for their book, Alone Can I Fix It? Yes. Did you talk to Michael Bender for his book Book is, frankly, we did win this election, the inside story of how Trump lost. Yes. Yes. And were you accurately represented in these books?
1: I haven't read any of the books. So I don't know. I've I've seen press reporting of it.
7: I haven't
0: read the book. He hasn't read the book. Well, so I haven't read the book. I don't have time to read the book. I can talk to these reporters, but I'm not going to read the book you can do what they call the Washington read when you go to the index and you find out the pages you're on and you read that part. Quite frankly, I'm in one of those books. I am actually in one of those books. On page 424 in his Newsmax TV interview with Greg Kelly at about 4 o'clock, Flynn said blah, 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 blah. I am in that book, the same book that General Milley is in. I know it. I looked it up. I read all the parts about me. By the way, the fake news, they even screwed that part up about me. There's a mistake in there. They got the wrong time. Whatever. So Back to Milley. I think he's not telling the truth. And by the way, all of the information that he apparently gave these reporters, that's a big problem. How he spent his time giving him that information, that's a big problem. We're going to go into that in a little bit more detail after the break. But first, I am going to give General Milley just a little bit of credit. Inadvertently, he said something that was very interesting. He summarized all the people who have been making decisions about Afghanistan over the past two decades. Strategic
1: decisions
0: have strategic consequences. Over the course of
1: four presidents, 12 secretaries of defense, seven chairmen, 10 CENTCOM commanders, 20 commanders in Afghanistan, hundreds of congressional delegation visits, and 20 years of congressional oversight, there are many lessons to be learned.
0: Did you hear those numbers? 20 commanders in Afghanistan? Seven. I mean, that's the turnover. Who's going to know anything? Where's the corporate knowledge, the institutional? That's crazy. We've got to fix that. The General Corps, the top of the Pentagon, is totally broken. We didn't always do it this way, by the way. General MacArthur. General MacArthur, you know how long he was in charge of a good chunk of our military affairs? He was a four-star general, then a five-star general for about 20, 25 years, something like that. And he was instrumental in winning one war and also uh, in the Korean War as well, World War II in Korea. we got to think about doing something like this, the turnover, uh, getting mediocrities like Millie. This is America. There are more MacArthur's out there than Millie, in my opinion. And we got to find him. I'll be right back. More on the book. And Obama, by the way, (laughs) gave a speech today about his new presidential library. Guess what the fake news found more interesting? While the hearings were going on on Capitol Hill, they were covering this. They skipped the hearings and they went all in on Obama again. Be right back.
1: Information, truth, is power, is freedom, is money, is
2: health, is Newsmax. Millions watch it for free, so can you. No paywall, no subscription. Newsmax is real news for real people.
0: can say is is that that the the fake fake news news just just doesn't doesn't get get it it, it, today. Oh, the fake news. So obvious how fake they were today. All right. So the hearings uh, start in the morning. Guess what? All the network carry this hearing because, uh, well, it's pretty interesting. We're finally getting a whiff of accountability about what happened in Afghanistan. So they start you know, gaining some momentum, uh, we start to see fireworks. We start to see Lloyd Austin and General Milley sweat a little bit, finally. And what do they do? One by one, they dump out. Ah, we're going to talk about reconciliation. Ah, let's talk about the uh, three point five trillion dollar so and so. All afternoon for round two, I thought, okay, we can't we can't ignore the second half. Yes, they did. What do they find more interesting? Barack Obama's groundbreaking on his new presidential library. (laughs) He had a speech for that, and everybody was, uh, well, everybody on the left took that instead of the accountability hearings, as I like to call them. All right, also this, back to the hearings. It was interesting, this political game playing that uh, we see from Millie from Austin. They would not say what they told the president, but they told us what they told the president in another way. Well, listen to this.
4: As I've said before, I always keep my, uh, my advice to the president uh, confidential.
1: As I've said many times before this committee and other committees, I don't share my personal recommendations to the president, but I can tell you my personal opinion and my assessment if that's what you want.
6: Senator, uh, again, I... I won't share my personal recommendation to the president, but I will give you my honest opinion.
1: I don't discuss exactly what uh, my conversations are with the sitting president in the Oval Office, but I can tell you what my personal opinion was, and I'm always candid.
6: Again, I'm not going to be able to comment on uh, those executive discussions.
4: In terms of what they specifically recommended, Senator, they just, as they just said, uh, they're not going to provide... This
0: goes on. This goes on. Uh, First of all, you know, they work for us, uh, Uh, They work for everybody. I think we should know. But they found a way, a bureaucratic loophole. I won't tell you exactly what I said. I'll just tell you what I was thinking and feeling at the time. And it's the same thing. Same difference. It's a waste of time. But anyway, it is a game they play. Meanwhile, uh, back to Millie. And all of his time spent with these authors, these uh, book writers, actually, just about all of them uh, are wannabe Netflix showrunners. That's where the real money is, except for Woodward. He found out how to make a gazillion dollars on his books. He does it by lying a lot and exaggerating. No joke. We've seen it before. Um, But look, when you're the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and you tell us, I can talk to these book authors about what I said to the president. But I'm not going to tell you, the committee, you, the American people, that's a problem. And he was called out on it.
5: General Milley, do you think if the Chinese Communist Party decided to invade Taiwan, would their military leadership call and give you a heads up?
1: I think there'd be a period of increased tension, indicators and warnings. And I think there'd be an exchange of various communications at all levels. Uh, Department you really of think the Chinese, And I think
5: you really think would, that you really think the Chinese Communist Party head of their of the PLA would call and say, "Hey, General, FYI, we're going to get ready to invade Taiwan." I just thought I'd give you a heads up. You think you I know? You I honestly, would. think that I know. I'd call him and ask him. No, I'm asking call him the and other ask question him outright. You think he'd give you a heads up? I think on the that, invasion um, of Taiwan. I, I think
1: a, I think an invasion of Taiwan would be a fairly obvious thing to pick up on. And no, I didn't,
0: but that's not what I All have. right. He's in a really weird position because he obviously probably exaggerated to Bob Woodward, and then Bob Woodward exaggerated himself about this phone call. Uh, but he shouldn't be having these conversations with all of these authors, all of these people who want to sell books. What is he doing spending his time, which, by the way, is our time with these fake news people? Hmm? Uh, Senator Scott asked that point blank. What's the upside? to the American public, of
2: you talking to, you have I all this sensitive information, sure. you have a full-time job, and then you go out and talk about the prior administration. I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. If, if the media wants to ask you about what we're doing right now, something like that, I get it, but the prior administration, why would you do that?
1: I think it's important to make sure that the American people are transparent with, the, with what our government does, that's all. Nothing more complicated than that. So it has been reported you discussed sensitive
2: information, including private conversations you had with the prior president with these reporters. How is that consistent with your testimony today that you won't talk about any conversations you have had with the President? You'll only talk about what your position is. But it has been reported that with by these reporters that you have ta- you have told them exactly the conversations you had with the prior president.
1: Does that, that seem inconsistent? I'm not, I'm not so sure about what they're reporting about what I said and uh, private conversations, et cetera. I, I don't share private conversations with the president, with this president, former president, any president period. So what these reporters are saying is I, completely untruth. I'm, I'm not going to say whether they're... What, I don't even know what they're written. I haven't read their books. But I can tell you that I don't share my personal conversations with the president,
0: period. No one's buying it. It's, in, it's dishonest on its face. And um, who... When is the last time we had a chairman of the Joint Chiefs make such a spectacle out of himself? All right, so he seemed to, uh, you know, keep his side of the argument going with Senator Scott. It all falls apart, in my opinion, when Senator Blackburn has a turn.
7: In any of these conversations, did you discuss private meetings with the president or White House officials.
1: Um, White House officials, perhaps. President, I don't think so.
7: So you never discussed any of your pre- your conversations with President Trump.
1: With President Trump. With no, any
7: of these off. Not,
1: not a private conversation. With okay. Trump.
7: Did you portray the Commander in Chief in a negative light, or make comments that were critical of the Commander in Chief? to any of these authors with which you had conversations?
1: Uh, Not my comments or my observations, no. Others that were relayed to me from others. Well, I'm
7: looking forward to your book report on this. Uh, Would you see these conversations as an abuse of executive privilege? I would not, no. You would not, Okay. Let me ask you this. What is your standard for determining when to leak private conversations with the president.
1: I don't leak private conversations with the president.
7: You did not. So Uh, you had these conversations with the authors, but you don't see that as leaking information to which they were not entitled to know. See, this is the problem that we have. See, as a member of this committee and as mm -hmm. someone who represents a lot of our men and women in uniform that are there as we've referenced today, I've really got an issue with the fact that you will talk to authors, but then you all come in here and you say, well, we can't tell you what we told the president. And then I have to drag it out of you that the written documents, which under Article 2 you're supposed to give those to us. You can't go hide behind somebody's skirts on this. And you don't want to give those to us. So you've, re- Repeatedly told this committee that you will not reveal your private conversations with President Biden But then you've leaked this information from your meetings with President Trump so it is important to us that you truthfully Respond to us on this and I think what you did with making time to talk to these authors burnishing your image kind of you know building that bluster but then not putting the focus on afghanistan and what was happening there general milley that is really disappointing to me i know it's a disappointing to people that have served with you or under you under your command and it does not serve our nation Well, you talked a little bit earlier about the damage. And you said damage was the right word to use when assessing what has happened in Afghanistan, when you look at America's credibility. So how do you look the men and women in the eye that have served under your command? How do you look young men in the eye that are coming to our military academy days and who want to serve and say, you can depend on me, I've got your back.
0: She was terrific and Millie was just, he had to take it, he had to take it. We usually don't let sound bites go this long, but it had to be said, it had to be said. And she talked, she nailed it actually, building his own profile, the bluster. It's in these books. The conversations that he must have leaked. Let's take one of them. The Washington Post reporters wrote this. This is a conversation according to him. Donald Trump says to him, what's wrong with walking with your president? Remember that whole thing last year in the church? Trump asked, Mr. President, this has nothing to do with you, Milly said. This had to do with me and the uniform and not politicizing the uniform. I'm not apologizing for you. I'm apologizing for me. Trump gave Millie a quizzical look. Yeah, that deserves a quizzical look. Next up, finally, Mr. President, I don't expect you to get that, Millie said, but I'm a soldier and I can never allow the politicization of this uniform. I can't do it. It's wrong. And that's why I apologize. Yes, 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 yes. This happens a lot in these Washington books. I was such a hero. And then I told the president this and then I told the president that. I told him I set him straight. Just ask me, Millie. We have a huge, huge problem in that guy, and not just him, all these other generals. And I don't think they're going to fix it, okay? This is going to be, I don't know how we do. we got to start a conversation. But these aren't leaders. These are nasty, brutal bureaucrats, and they have to be pushed out. It's time. We can't afford this to happen again. All right, when I come back, a certain young man who is convinced that he knows everything about racism and he can just read people's minds and he knows what's racist and what's not racist. And in all likelihood, no matter what your color, you're a racist, according to him. A fascinating story when we return. Once again, the FBI is not terribly interested in finding this guy, but those who are investigating the death of Ashley Babbitt, namely uh, those who are preparing a lawsuit against the Capitol Hill police, they would love to know who this guy is. He is curiously looking away from all the action. And there he is just a few feet from where Ashley Babbitt was killed. Take a look at him. Have you ever seen him before? Again, the FBI has not been pushing this. But those who want to know more about what happened to Ashley Babbitt and why, they'd love to know who this person is, and they'd love to talk to him. So if you know anything, you think you've ever seen him anywhere, anywhere, you can go to the Four Ashley people on Twitter, at Four Ashley. They're kind of running the campaign. Or give the FBI a call. All right. Uh, Also this um, wild story out of New York. You know, it's kind of stupid, but it's kind of important at the same time. These two individuals, the one with the middle finger and the guy in the red T-shirt, had an argument the other night about a dog. And that's not national news, but one woman was accused of racism, the white woman, by the man in the black shirt. Uh, Now, here's the evidence. It went viral, and this is what uh, they say makes her a racist and what got her fired from her job. Stay in our hood? No, no, ah, no, 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 I'm sorry, everyone. Stay in our
6: hood? Stay in our hood. That's what, I'm sorry, what? Stay in our,
3: our stay in our leave hood? Stay in our hood? Stay Leave the just dog park to stay in our hood? You just told us to leave the dog park <coughs> and stay in our hood. Oh
7: my God, did you just say
2: that's me? Wow. Oh, that's funny. Wow, The Karen is in the white. I'm sorry,
3: you were right here, watch this entire thing. Did she just not stand here and tell us to stay in our hood? She did. She just told, you just told us to stay in our hood.
0: All right. And it ends like that. Well, uh, that video went viral. Uh, They quickly found out who this woman was, her name, where she worked. They got her fired. Her name is Emma. She no longer has a job. The boss right away caved into the woke mob and said, oh, we're going to do the right thing. She's been terminated immediately. I'll just point out that she said nothing racist on the tape, that whole um, not in our hood thing. She doesn't say that in the tape. Only he does. By the way, let's talk about him again. His name is uh, Frederick Joseph. He wrote a book about this, by the way, and he takes great offense in the book about this hood thing. You can only be a certain color when you talk about hood, according to him. Anyway, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. It's very, very apparent. And uh, he's a borderline racist himself. Take a look at some of his tweets. They come back to haunt you sometimes uh, July 1st of this year. White men are literally the most fragile group of people in history. All of this because they feel some false sense of oppression and being slighted. That's like the pot calling the pot a pot, I think. Uh, Look at this one. So many white people and police officers in Harlem, it doesn't even feel comfortable. All right, you tell me how that's not racist. Now, there's Vince Vaughn, the actor, with Donald Trump. I'm not sure why people are surprised by Vince Vaughn willingly spending time with Trump. He's a wealthy white guy. The assumption should be that all of them are MAGA until proven differently. And this is the guy who can just uh, get somebody fired, all right? This is, this is where it's at right now, somebody like Frederick Joseph. This is what it's all about. All right, meantime, his uh, energy... Even people on the woke left are saying, not so fast. Uh, we're not comfortable with this. Actually, Nicole Hannah-Jones, have you ever heard of her? Bit of a whack job herself. She started the whole 1619 project for the New York Times. Says that, uh, well, I can't even remember, but it's <laughs> something to do with America. We left the UK. The independence of America is all based on we wanted slaves, and that's why we started this country. That is false. No one would say that. No responsible historian would say that. But she said that what happened to this young woman may have been a bridge too far. This doesn't feel right. That's tweet number one. Let's take a look at the rest, if you don't mind. Yeah, don't use me for your racism, apologia. I don't agree with this, but I think there should be proportional consequences. I think what she's saying there is she shouldn't necessarily lose her job. Yeah, this didn't sit right with me and does not seem like an ethical use of one's platform. Okay, now she's not exactly beating the drum very hard here. These were comments she made to somebody else's twi- tweeter, Twitter account. This is all kind of juvenile and very small, but it is impacting the culture in a very big way. The moment somebody gets called a racist, it's potentially, well, it's grounds for cancellation. And even a false claim of racism, and you could be in very, very big trouble. This seems to me a false claim of racism. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired
3: of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms.
6: Uh,
0: Back to Barack Obama. We talked about him earlier in the show. He announced the groundbreaking of his presidential library in Chicago. It's going to cost billions of dollars. Actually, I'm sorry, half a billion dollars. Take a couple of years to uh, build And um, yes, a lot of other things have been going on in Chicago where this museum will be, kids getting killed. Mr. President, will this uh, museum somehow reduce the violence? He seems to be thinking, yes, it will. Another issue on the former president's mind, widespread gun violence
5: in his beloved city of Chicago, over 600 murders already this year.
6: Talk about something I I wanted to get done done that I couldn't get done Mm -hmm. was get smarter, common sense uh, you know, gun safety measures in place through and, and through Congress. But what we can do is potentially give young people the sense that there's another way for them to empower themselves.
5: The Obamas are doing just that, with the groundbreaking of the Obama Presidential Center, right in the heart of the South
6: Side. You have the home where Michelle grew up. You have my first apartment. So part of the reason we're here is because Just about everything that's important to me in my life started here. There's young people who are enormously talented, but often forgotten. And so for us to be able to build a world-class institution that will attract millions of people, uh, hopefully we'll send a signal that those young people count, those young people matter.
0: Um, Hopefully we'll send a signal uh, that they matter. This doesn't seem strong to me. It doesn't seem substantive. There are kids killing kids right now in that neighborhood. He says he cares, but he's not really doing much of anything. This is a monument literally to him, this library. Uh, I noticed that these kids uh, in this video, take a look at this, this is happening in his city, this outright stealing with total impunity. Uh No concern about the police because the police have been delegitimized. Remember, they've essentially been canceled. This is happening, and he's not doing anything about it. By the way, he's actually getting some negative press for this uh, library that's going up. Uh, Chicago Obama Library, highly anticipated, but gentrification could be a problem. Yes, gentrification. The rents could go up. Property values could go up. Poor people could be displaced. Uh, So he's getting it from that side as well. All right, now this. Black lives do matter, of course, of course, but not the way the Black Lives Matter organization says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. That's the only thing that seems to get Barack Obama's attention. Black lives do matter, including the life of 21-year-old college football star Aaron Lowe, shot and killed early Sunday in Salt Lake City, Utah. He was a budding defensive back at the University of Utah. Police say Lowe was shot outside a house party and died at the scene. Another woman was also shot but survived. This comes less than a year after Lowe's teammate and close friend and I believe roommate was killed in an accidental shooting. He actually switched his jersey number to honor that friend. Lowe's father is heartbroken, saying he'll never get to see or talk to his son again. He's pleading for young people to stop the violence.
4: Young men, young women don't believe the hype. That is a setup. Please, please, Put the guns down. I'm not crying because he's gone. I guess I'm crying because I can't see him. I can't talk to him. I can't hold him.
0: A GoFundMe page has been set up to help cover funeral costs. No arrests have been made. Police do not have any leads. He had everything in front of him. Just 21 years old, Aaron Lowe, shot and killed Sunday in Salt Lake City, Utah.
4: We'll be right back. Eric Bowling is back, and he's fighting big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. Every afternoon, Eric's new The Balance tells the truth and exposes the big lies. Watch Eric Bowling every weekday
0: afternoon on Newsmax. Tonight, Governor Christy Nome with our own Rob Schmidt, a special town hall meeting. I think you'll enjoy it. Meanwhile, I'll see you tomorrow night.